Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show today. There was a really helpful article on BannerOfTruth.org. By the way, if you're looking for a great publisher, I think this is the best publisher in the world, Banner of Truth Trust. But they also have a, a blog um, portion of their website, and the, the title to this particular blog is called Public Worship is to be Preferred Over Private. Now, of course, these guys are writing from England, and if you're unaware of what's happening in England right now, England just recently ordered a nationwide shutdown uh, for a month long of everything, including church, uh, with the exception of schools and universities. And this has outraged um, many churches over there because they're basically saying, you know, this has never happened in the history of England before through plague, through war, through whatever, you're, that you're shutting down the church. And in this article on Banner of Truth, the author claims, and the author's name is uh, Warren Peel, the author claims that public worship is the thing that the devil attacks more than anything else. Do you guys think that is a, a right claim, that the devil attacks public worship more than anything else? Yeah, well, quite possibly. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of things that Satan attacks, but one of the, one of the things, one of the attacks in the life of any believer is, boy, it just feels more comfortable to stay in bed on Sunday morning and maybe get up and watch the ball game rather than take the effort to get up and go to public worship with the people of God. And uh, once, you, once you surrender to that, uh, new habits, uh, bad habits are, are hard to break. And uh, public worship is so, so vital to sustaining our souls and sustaining our walk with the Lord. Don't neglect it. I do remember going to a Christian college, and uh, when you're at a Christian college, oftentimes the students will travel in different directions to go and attend different various churches. And so oftentimes you came back and you're meeting in the lunchroom or something, you said, where you go to church today? And, you know, somebody would say, I went to bedside Baptist Church, uh, or I went to the Church of the Inner Springs, and uh, what they meant was they just slept in, and uh, I, and once they started that pattern, it was hard to break. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure always with comparative words like more, the the most, or those yeah. always are a little bit tricky. But I, I think for sure he's onto something that this. If you're making, I normally think in terms of top ten lists. If you're thinking of the top 10 things that the devil would be after, for sure, public worship would be on the top 10, if not the top five, if not the top three. So I would talk about it in that way. I do know that we don't, broadly speaking, have a high regard in the West for public worship. I mean, I have similar stories to Jonathan with regard to to college and some of my roommates. I 
I didn't have a car, so I was kind of dependent upon them for going to church sometimes. And they would wake up or not wake up on Sunday morning, and then I would be scrambling at the last minute trying to figure out, well, how can I get to a church? What church provides transportation? So I would just kind of be picking churches based upon where I could get to, what I could walk to, whatever it was. I'd come back from church, and they had gotten up, showered, and put on Sunday clothes. I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, going over to the cafeteria to eat, I want to make it look like I went to church. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, well, what, what difference does it make uh. at this point? It just reminded me that they knew where they ought to have been. Yes. But they were making choices that weren't, I don't think, great for them as, as people at that time. Let me, give you, let me give you two verses. I actually do agree with Warren Peel, so maybe I'm the, the odd one out in the room. I actually do think it's the, the thing that the devil attacks the most. Two places, Psalm 48 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. Now he's already hinting at Zion, the people of God, the church. And he says, his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. In other words, the church, the people of God, is the joy of all the earth. It is the chief thing in which the the earth has joy. And then if you go just a few chapters forward in Psalm 87, it says, the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places in Jacob. And um, now you went to... PRTS, so I'm sure this was a favorite verse that Beaky quoted often. I, I got it from him, but that, that, what that verse means is that the dwelling places of Jacob, meaning all the individual places where families dwell, where singles dwell, yes, he loves all those places because that's where his people live, but he especially loves the gates of Zion because that's where his people gather to worship him. So I would claim, I agree with the author, I, I think... I think he's right that because the church is the the greatest manifestation of God's glory on the earth, I think it is the one place more than anything that the devil attacks, which has implications immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you can you can uh, you can get there in many different ways. You know, you recognize that from the beginning. You know, one of the things that we read even in Genesis three fifteen is that Satan is going to strike the heel of the of the Messiah. Uh, he's, you know, and this is something that you set the pattern up, you know, where Satan is opposed to the Lord's anointed all the way through Scripture. You come, we're coming on the Christmas season. Everybody knows about Herod killing the innocents and why Herod killed all the ba- babies that were born under a certain age. Was He was going out because Satan had inflamed him to go and kill the the chosen Messiah, the Savior of the world. Now, if you extrapolate a little bit further, because Christ is head of the church, he's still fighting yes. against uh, the Lord, yes. and and that's what's happened. We're we're the bo- the church is the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. He's the head, uh, and so in order to attack Christ, in fact, Paul when he, Saul when he's persecuting the Christians in Acts, um, what what is when he's confronted on that road on the way to Damascus. And Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And and he's attacking the body of Christ. And so when you think about those things, you realize, yes, indeed, this is, a, this is an aspect of the attack of Satan on the church, on the church gathered, as well as on the church individual. Yeah. Well, think about it, just real quick, using the, uh, again, the news about what hap- what's happening in England right now. 
England shut down everything except for schools and universities, uh, and they forbid people to, to gather for public worship. They don't care if you gather in your home to worship. I know that might seem like a, well, they can't stop people's families. Well, of course, but what they are specifically targeting is the public worship of, of God. And um, now in this article, there are several reasons why we perhaps devalue public worship. Do you want to read some of those off? You have them right in front of you, don't you? He keeps gesturing. <laughs> and it's just fascinating to me that he doesn't remember that we're a radio show. <laughs> You know what I'm doing, yeah, though. Yes, yes, yes. So what you have is what gets in the way of corporate worship, of people plugging in and attending and, and gathering as, as God's people. And he gives a list, and he says, individualism, self-reliance, self-preservation, arrogance, personality. So he specifically talks about those that are introverts and that church can be messy and frustrating, because it's a it's a gathering of of sinful people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple there that I think we're really maybe particularly um, applying to our area. The first one on individualism, it says, you know, perhaps individualism stops you from valuing public worship because what really matters is what I do on my own. What really matters is what God says to me personally, because I have a personal relationship with God. So it's the personal that's emphasized over the corporate. And I don't think the Bible pits those two against one another. Of course, we should have a personal relationship with Christ, but that's not at the expense of the corporate gathering. Yeah. And of course, we should have personal worship, um, family worship, uh, your your own own daily uh, uh, quiet time or, or personal worship time, whatever whatever term you use for it, that that's so essential. It feeds your, in, in fact, your, your, your worship with the people of God on the Lord's day will suffer if you're not doing private worship, it, that your, your corporate worship will be impoverished. But that private personal worship doesn't take the, doesn't take the place of public worship. Mm-hmm. Individualism is really a concept that, um, I don't want to say is foreign to the scriptures, but almost always individualism in the scriptures is a negative. You would have difficulty making a case from the scriptures that individualism is is a positive thing. Individualism really, it's, as far as the West is concerned, really took root during the, the Renaissance time period, which was actively anti-God. You're talking about like the French Revolution? No, the Renaissance prior to the Reformation, um, mm-hmm. the Michelangelo's, the Raphael's, the, you know, that era, it was, it's steeped in humanism and right. it was defining life outside of God. Yeah. It had a veneer of Christianity, but it was just a veneer. There was really no true faith that was going on at that time. And so they were defining life from a man-centered perspective. And that, unfortunately, permeates the West. The Reformation comes in and said, well, no, 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 you got that wrong. It's a God-centered approach to life. And so then what you have is these two great ideas coming head to head. Um, so the Reformation and Renaissance are really at the same time. Renaissance is just slightly sooner. And really what you see from that point on is this huge battle of what will define society. Is it right. man? Is it God? And these are in conflict with one another. Mm-hmm. 
And unfortunately, with the rise of the Enlightenment, man-centered belief really got thrown forward, and we in the United States really embraced it. And it's not been a positive for us. Well, and what we're living with today is sometimes called post-modernity. Some people call it hyper-modernity, and I, I think I'd be more, lean more, Toward the term hyper modernity, it's just it's the it's the old it's the modernity of the Enlightenment on on the worldview of the Enlightenment on steroids now, mm-hmm. which drives us apart from one another and into individualism, and this isn't just affecting the church. This is affecting every corner of society where people are becoming increasingly isolated individuals, mm-hmm. um, and and disconnected from the world around them. And, and once again, it's not just the church. Uh, you look at, at all kinds of organizations that are in decline right now because people don't want to come together. And frankly, it reminds me of C.S. Lewis's vision of hell in, in his great allegory, uh, The Great Divorce, that hell is the place where people live at infinite distance from one another. Mm-hmm. They can't get far apart from one another, and they just keep moving further and further apart into the darkness. Mm-hmm. It's such a picture of today's world. Well, if you want to check out this article, we're going to continue to talk about the next few days. It is called Public Worship is to be Preferred Over Private. You can find it at Banner of Truth. Just Google it. And we're so glad that you joined us today. We'll see you next time. 